That's why you got dressed this morning. It's because God gave his life for you. Sometimes it just seems like you're just kind of going through the routine, doesn't it? You ever feel that way? No, just my house? Okay, all right. You have those arguments and fights on Sunday morning that seem to be louder and stronger. And I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And so, but you gathered here this morning because Jesus Christ has given his life and you've said yes to Jesus. And so you get up on a regular time, somewhat, on a Sunday morning to say, I'm going to give it up. There's other things that I could be doing, but I've chosen to gather here with all these other people to learn and to worship Jesus. Look at the person next to you and say, they, you are ordinary. Oh, that wasn't very convincing, was it? Man, you guys, you guys are going to have to learn. Look at that person. I mean, with just conviction from deep within your soul. Look at that person and say, you are ordinary. That's why no perfect people are allowed here, right? You are ordinary. You're saying there's nothing special about that person. Nothing great. They're not perfect. They're not the biggest, the strongest, the smartest, the most talented. They're just ordinary. Some days it would be good to just have an ordinary life, wouldn't it? We've been studying last week and this week and the coming weeks we're going to be studying different people from the Bible that are ordinary people that had an extraordinary encounter with God. And in that encounter, they chose obedience. Because ordinary people who have an encounter with God choose obedience, something extraordinary happens. Last week, a wife who happened to be one of the leaders of the nation of Israel, an ordinary woman, the wife of Lapidoth. Y'all remember that guy, right? You're naming your sons after him. The wife of Lapidoth said yes in that moment and was able to, with her generals, free a nation. And they danced a dance and they sang and they had a great time because of freedom. Well, now we're in Judges chapter 6 and they've already messed up. The very first part of chapter 6, it says Israelites have again gone into this pattern of good times, freedom, and in their freedom they make a mistake. Sounds like our ordinary life, doesn't it? We, free, we have freedom in life and we find freedom and victory and, and whatever it is that we're struggling with. And the next thing you know, a week later, here we are back in our same cycle, trying to find victory. So the nation of Israel is in that same place. Gideon is the next judge, the next leader. The nation of Israel is under great persecution and heavy persecution by the Midianites. And so, so heavy a persecution that, as a matter of fact, whenever they would even take care of their crops, they would have to go hide inside so they could throw the weed up and, and separate the chaff from the wheat. They had to even go inside to do that because the moment that there was any movement, the Midianites would come down and attack. And so it, it says that the Israelites grew smaller in their emotional comfort, that they couldn't even go outside without fear. And so this is the, the, series, the thoughts and scene that's going on in the nation of Israel at this time is they can't even leave their house because there's any movement. It's like a locust. The Midianites were like locusts and would attack and come over them. And so there's great fear and anticipation of what's happening. So in that moment, they cry out. They cry out in pain for God to answer because of their struggles and their trials. And God, in this passage in Judges chapter 6, even calls out and he says, Listen, you cry out to me for, because of your pain, but you don't cry out to me in repentance. And listen, I've talked with many people over the years as a pastor. 
who come to me in pain and in agony and in the struggles of their life. And as we begin to delve into it and talk about it and, and get to the source of it and root of it, the thing that we come to is the point of, listen, you're in the midst of this, and sometimes it's your choices, many times it's our own choices. Now to say, are you at the point of willing to repent? There's a reason sometimes God allows the depths of the pain is so that we can move to that place of repentance. And even here, Israel, they're afraid to get out of their house and they're crying out in pain, but it's not a cry out of repentance. It's a cry out of pain and of hurt. And for us, the lowliness of what we have to get to to cry out for help. They were literally made smaller in their hearts and their minds. And they still cried out. People were in hiding. Look at Judges chapter 6, starting at verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. Y'all know that lady, right? Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing, threshing weed at the bottom of his wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, some of your translations may say, Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. This is interesting. Now, here's this regular, ordinary guy going about his regular, ordinary job as a farmer, and he's separating the weed, separating the chaff from the weed, and he's one of these that he's under oppression. He's under persecution. He's afraid to even go out of his house, and so he's in a wine press associated with his property, and he's hidden, and all of a sudden God shows up to this guy who's hiding and says, you're a mighty warrior. When the circumstances and the situation look exactly opposite of someone who's a mighty warrior, because we would think, hey, a true mighty warrior, he would be out in front, and he'd be throwing up the wheat and separating the chaff and say, come on, you suckers, I'm here. But no, he's hidden. I think this is one of the cool things that when God calls you, he calls you specifically, and he already ordains what you're going to do. And so whenever he does that, he calls you by name, by specific call. And even though you may not even have the qualities and the characteristics or even the faith courage of what God's going to call you to do, he already knows it, and he calls you by name that you don't even know that you are yet. Because listen, when God called me to be a pastor, I, I laughed. I was like, there's no way. No way. I'm more about X's and O's and tackling people. God said, no, you're going to tackle people, but for Jesus. And so listen, when God calls you, he has a specific name, and so you don't even know where he's going to call you yet, but he's going to begin to, to define who you are by the name that you've got. And so God is specifically calling Gideon a mighty warrior, and he doesn't even know it yet. Can you imagine being called a mighty warrior, and he's just trembling with fear? God, do you know who I am? And begins to discuss with God how he's not, Gideon is not going to be the one that God wants him to be. Continued on to verse 12. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Here's that big but. But Lord, get in reply. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Do you hear it? Listen, I'm the most ordinary guy there is 
No way I'm a mighty warrior. God says, go. I'm sending you. It's not about you. I've called you. Just be obedient. In your obedience, you'll become a mighty warrior. I will be with you, the Lord said. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against just one man. Gideon's name literally means hacker. Not a computer hacker, but a guy that's sawing down and chopping down stuff. So you can imagine this is a pretty big, burly dude. He's out there and he's chopping stuff. And so he might have actually looked like a mighty warrior to other people. But in that moment, he was hiding in the, in the wine press. And so what he was believing about himself wasn't that he was a mighty warrior. But he was someone that needed to be hiding to keep himself safe. And so God is, comes in and he steps in and he says, Listen, Gideon, you are the answer to the prayers of the nation of Israel. No pressure. You're not a hacker anymore. You're a mighty warrior. Let's get this going on. And again, Gideon says, But God, don't you know that I'm the most ordinary person in the world? And listen, as you turn to the person on your right and his left and said, You are ordinary. So many of you in your hearts said, I wish I was just even ordinary. You've defined yourself and you've listened to lies that the deceiver has given you. And you don't even think that you're ordinary. You don't even think that you're valuable. You don't even think that it matters, that you matter. Listen, when God has put his hand upon you and called you his child, he did not make junk. He did not sell you out. He is called you his wonderful, loving child, and he thinks that you are the most precious thing in the world. Quit buying lies. You are a mighty warrior. You are mother. You are husband. You are father. You are son. You are daughter. Those incredible, powerful names and roles that God has called you to. Fulfill them. Quit selling yourself short. God knows you better than you know you. When you became a follower of Jesus, you became born again. You became adopted. You took on his name. Everything that's at Jesus' disposal is now at our disposal. That we are a child of God. We're a son. We're a daughter of God. And that his inheritance is our inheritance. And literally it says in the New Testament, you do not have because you do not ask. Listen, there's times that my children come to me and they ask of me. And what do I tell them sometimes? Yes. Sometimes. No, sometimes not yet, or maybe, okay? When we come to God the Father and we say, hey, God, I need this, sometimes he says, yes. Sometimes he says, no. Sometimes he says, not yet. Sometimes he says, maybe. Sometimes he probably laughs. Because there's times that my kids have asked me for stuff and I just laugh, right? It's humorous. But they know that they can come ask me. Even if it's no, even when I say no, that my children continue to come ask because they know that I care for them and I love for them and my desire is the best for them. And they've learned that after time, that they can trust mom and dad and ask. And that even though in those moments where we may laugh together, that it doesn't mean that they still at some point, maybe. Because what do I want for my children? I want the best. And God the Father in the same way says, ask of me. You are adopted. You're his children. You are chosen. We have a tendency to fulfill what we believe about ourselves. Some of you in this room, you've gone by the 
grocery store aisle this week and you've looked at the pictures on the magazines. You're like, that's not me. You're right. It's not you. Because you're not Photoshop. It's the real you. There's no, no other work that's been done. It's totally you. And that's part of the thing that we struggle with in church. Is that when we come into this place, that we truly want a place where there can be authenticity in relationships. But this is a place where when we get into authenticity in relationships, we've got to remove our masks. We've got to remove some of the stuff that we've been hiding, some of the things that we've been kind of putting on so that we can protect ourselves because we've been hurt in the past, sometimes in church. Sometimes the deepest hurts are in church. But to be able to, to get to do life together, it's important for us to do community together and be authentic in those moments. You have a tendency to fulfill what you believe about yourselves as you do community and you do life with one another. One of the things I've noticed is most guys that I've been in a small group with or life group with, they struggle with the same stuff that I struggle with, or similar stuff. And so we're able to talk about it, do life, encourage one another, support one another, do that. And my wife, same thing. She says, honey, everyone's struggling with the same things. Listen, look at the person next to you, and they're, you're saying they're ordinary. That means they're just like you. The craziness of God's plan is that he looked at us, and he said, you are sufficient to reach the world for Jesus Christ. You are sufficient to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, he doesn't really know me. Here's the deal. He does know you inside and out. And he says, you are still sufficient. He shows up in the places where you're hiding. And he says, you are a mighty warrior. You are whatever he's calling you to be. Believe and listen to the voice of God. Quit hiding in those places where you think the enemy can't see you. You are a chosen one. One of the first things that he had to do is he had to get the house in order. If you continue reading, we don't have time to go through it, but if you continue reading, one of the first things is that he grew up in a house that didn't worship Jehovah God, that they worshiped Baal. And so in his backyard, they literally had a temple set up. And so one of the first things he had to do was to get his house in order. So he has to go hack away at the Asherah pole and all that and destroy that so that there would be no more worship of Baal or of other gods. So he got that house in order. He began to set his house in order so that he can then fulfill the call that God had on his life. And so as he begins this, this is this act. And so you see, so continue on in Judges. Um, Judges, look at verse uh, 36 through 40, chapter 6. He's gotten his house in order, and then God protects him even from that. The whole community wanted to, to take him out. He says, but God, if you'll just, verse 36, then Gideon said to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. Do you ever do that? Hey, God, I hear you calling me. But here's the things that I want you to do. I need a new house. I need my kids to get smarter and get good grades. And, you know, I mean, we start listing off all these things. God, if you will do this, then I will do that. So this is what Gideon's kind of doing in this moment. He's laying out the fleece. You've heard of this idea. Prove it to me in this way. I will 
Put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're talking to me, that you're going to help me rescue Israel as promised. And just is just what happened. When Gideon got up in the morning, he squeezed the fleece out and wrung out a whole bowl of water, and the ground around him was dry. And then Gideon said to God, Yeah, don't get angry with me. But let me make one more request. Because that first one, you know, I know you did it, but it wasn't quite enough. Let me use this fleece for one more test. This time the fleece will remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning and the ground was covered with dew. Where are you at? Where are you at in your steps? You're continuing to... You know that God's called you to do something. You've been hiding. He's called you out, and you're, you're ready to take that step of obedience, but you're going, hey, but God, but God, and you continue to lay out fleece after fleece after fleece, and, and, and God's just saying, okay, here we go. I mean, he's got his, his moments where he'll, he'll, he'll work with you and encourage you to say, listen, I want to build up trust with you to know that when you walk into this place where you need to be a mighty warrior, that you can trust that I'm the one that's going with you that you can trust me. And then he begins to say, okay, let's get prepped for battle. And if you continue reading on in in the judges there, they begin to get prepped. And and Gideon kind of blows his trumpet and he calls the people out and the people of Israel and 22,000 fighting men show up so that they can battle with the Midianites. 22,000 men, more than enough men to take it. And God says, listen, Gideon, I want you to know that you're a mighty warrior, but 22,000 men is too many men. I want you to ask him this question. If any of you are afraid, you can go home. <laughs> well, yeah. 22,000, right? Start off with 22,000 mighty warriors. Gideon stands up. Hey, any of you guys have any doubt, any fear, a little afraid of what's going to happen? You might die. You got kids at home, whatever. You can go home. 22,000 to 10,000. Now, you know, I mean, that's just a natural deal, right? So you're, you've cut them in half already. Then God looks at Gideon and says, hey, listen, that's even too many. For people to know that God did this on your behalf and on the behalf of the nation of Israel, it needs to be smaller than that. Hey, tell your guys to go down to the, to the nearest river and get a drink. And I'll tell you which ones to keep whenever they go down there. And so the 10,000 men go down and they begin to drink. And the guys that laid down on the ground and began to drink straight out of the river were the ones that were sent home. The guys that got down on their knees and were able to kind of keep their head on a swivel and drink water were the ones that were kept. That got it down to 300 men. The Navy SEALs, right? So God looked at Gideon and he said, hey, you got 300 of the mightiest warriors that you could possibly have. They are ready. They are the, the best of the best. Let's gather up the tools that you're going to need to accomplish this task. Look at chapter 7, verse 15. These 300 men, the baddest of the bad, grab up their pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet. Now, can you imagine Gideon looking at God and saying, Are you kidding me? You gave me the mightiest warriors, and you don't even give us a weapon. You are crazy. Do you ever have those moments? God, you've called me to do what? And you've given me this as the resources? And you want me to accomplish what? Here it is. When Gideon heard 
the dream and the interpretation, he bowed down. He still needed more encouragement, so he sneaks down in the middle of the night to the Midians, and you can see this conversation. He bowed down and worshiped before the Lord, and then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hands. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn, a clay jar, and a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of camp, do as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horn, blow your horns too. All around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. I'm sure that was charging them up. As they're looking at the map going, oh my, here we go. What did we, we should have been a part of that first crew. Am I afraid? Yes. This guy's crazy. It was just after midnight and the changing of the guard when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horn and broke the clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke the jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Now imagine they're up on the top of this mountaintop or this ridge and the, the camp of the Midianites is down below, right? So this is echoing and this loud noise. And each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horn, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their own swords. Those who were not killed fled to places away, such as Schulenburg, Smithville, and the border of Katy. They ran away. One ordinary guy, farmer, hiding in a wine press was the answer to a nation's prayer, God, we need relief from this oppression. And because God showed up at his place and said, you, Gideon, the hacker, are now not just a hacker, you are a mighty warrior. A nation was changed. A house was brought to order. You are ordinary. I am ordinary. The person next to you is ordinary. And we have a nation, we have a home, we have a a county, we have a town that has oppressed everybody around us in certain situations, in certain parts of their life are oppressed and they want freedom. And you may be the answer to their prayer. You may be the one that's going to be the mighty warrior for them. And what they need at the exact moment, at the exact time, quit selling yourself short. Sometimes the very stuff that you've had to walk through in life that you thought, why God? He's saying now is why. The reason that you had to walk through some of this is so that you can identify with someone else and you can help be a mighty warrior to walk through this with them. Because if you don't, no one else will. You, a mighty warrior, called by God, he has a great plan for your ordinary, regular life. Quit settling. Quit buying into the lie that you're not worthy. You're not valuable enough. That you're too ordinary to do what God's called you to do. Just be obedient and watch Him work. And I guarantee you, 
It will be like this. You'll think, God, just a trumpet? I don't even play the trumpet. They kicked me out of sixth grade band. They said, get out of here. Pitcher? I don't even have a lighter. I don't even know how to make a fire. God says, listen, I've called you. I'll direct your paths. I'll take care of it. Just be obedient. Let's pray together. Father, we are the least. Many of us, we just we look at ourselves and we're like, man, we are, we're not qualified. We're definitely not a mighty warrior. Some of us in this room, probably the, we think the best definition of us is the mighty failure. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life for you. His extraordinary act on the cross was for you. Believe that. That your name was on his heart. Your name was on his mind. And when he cried out in that moment of separation from his father, the thing that the greatest hurt in his life in that moment, it was worth it for you. For you. You are ordinary. May God use your ordinariness as you are obedient. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.